0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: Okay, Philippians chapter 1, and this is Paul, and you'll see Timothy as well, writing to the Philippian saints. So let's read this, New King James, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippians. Here it is, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. Notice here, he doesn't start off saying apostles. Here he says bondservants. A bondservant is a a servant by choice. Uh, It may have been a slave, but then the slave uh, got to the end of the term and was going to be let free, but the slave decided, nope. I want to stay with my master. And Paul's saying the same thing. My master is the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to stay with him. Timothy wants to stay with him. So Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, the city of Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. So he's saying, I'm writing to all the saints. I'm writing to all the people who attend, really, the various house churches that are there in the city of Philippi that make up the church at Philippi. And he said, I'm not only writing to the saints, but I'm writing to the bishops, the overseers, and the deacons, those people that have official roles of serving in some capacity. Okay, verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Boy, this is a powerful statement, but Paul is literally saying every time I'm praying, I'm praying for you. I'm making mention of you in my prayers. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to know that somebody's just praying for you, making mention of you? I want to be like that. And I think you'd want to be like that as well. But he said, I thank my God every time I remember you, that I always remember you in prayer. Verse six, being confident. This is such a powerful verse. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let me just declare that over you today, that he, God, who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He'll never stop working that good work. He'll complete it all the way to the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to stick with you. He's going to continue to work on you, work with you to strengthen you to become the person that He called you to be. Verse seven, just as it is right for me to think this of you, of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains, you can see just like the book of Ephesians. Paul is in prison, so he's locked up in chains. So it says, both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. This is not just uh, hyperbole. This is not just talk. Paul is writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We know his heart is sincere. He loves these saints at Philippi. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. That tells us two things. Paul had great affection for them, but Jesus did too with the affection of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the affection that Jesus has toward us, his church. Verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment that you may be, excuse me, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm praying for you that you would be sincere, that you would be without, without offense. In other words, don't let anything offend you. Don't let anybody knock you off your game and get you in the flesh. No, no, just walk in love and forgiveness to everybody. Doesn't mean you let everybody walk all over you but you don't let it get inside to where now you're offended and angry and bitter. Paul says, no, don't don't do that. Be sincere and without offense. How long? Till the day of Jesus Christ, till Jesus comes back. Be filled with the fruits of righteousness. There are fruits of unrighteousness. In other words, a lifestyle, evidence of unrighteousness, but there are also fruits, evidence of righteousness. Be filled, he says, with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. That's the way Jesus lived. That's the way he's called us to live. To the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So notice some very adverse things happened to Paul. And we read those when we were in the book of 2 Corinthians and the 11th chapter especially. Uh, But also in an earlier chapter there in that book, uh, Paul talked about so many things that happened to him, persecutions, horrible things that happened. But he's telling them, he said, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So God turned these things around. so, So instead of being adverse, he said it turned out to the furtherance of the gospel. Verse 13, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. The whole palace guard, we're talking about Roman soldiers and such who really believe now that God, the creator, has Paul in prison to be able to minister in Rome. And to those people who are there in that place, The you'd say, really, it is the Washington, D.C., of the Roman Empire. And so he goes on to say in verse 14, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You would think that the chains that Paul is wearing, because of preaching the gospel, it would cause other people to be fearful and such. And Paul said, no, no, they've become confident by my chains. In other words, if they see me, in chains and still confident then they without chains are all all the more confident verse 15 some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife notice they preach Christ but from envy and strife and some also from goodwill the former preach Christ from selfish ambition not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains in other words there are literally people that are preaching a gospel in a strange way to add affliction to Paul, to make him look bad. And uh, by the way, this happens today. People want to uh, take stories from believers, and this happens in the news sometimes. They take stories from believers, but they take believers that are casting the gospel in a way that they know it will not be accepted by society. And they do it just to make Christianity look bad or, or make... Uh, believers or churches look bad. And Paul said, oh, they're doing that to me. Some people are out preaching the gospel, but they're doing it with wrong motives. They're expecting, uh, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter, in other words, the other type of people, the latter out of love. Some people are preaching the gospel out of love, sincere love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in uh, in pretense, that means they're not doing it with the right motive or a pure heart, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Isn't this interesting? Paul says, even though some people are not preaching the gospel, Uh, with a sincere heart. They're actually trying to add affliction to me. He said, at least they're talking about the gospel. At least people are hearing about the gospel, uh, albeit insincere delivery boys, so to speak, witnesses. Verse 19, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now, always, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. He said, doesn't matter whether I live or die, Christ is going to be magnified. What uh, an eternal perspective Paul has verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So let me say it another way. Paul said, for me, the way I see it, to live and to stay here on earth, this is to live for the Lord, to live out the life of Jesus, to do ministry and to win people to the Lord. He said, but to die is actually gain. To die is better for Paul. To stay is better for the people. Verse 22, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. Interesting that Paul talks of this as if he has the choice to leave and go to heaven, to die and go to heaven, or to stay here on earth and continue his ministry. He said, but if I live in the flesh, this will mean fruit uh, from my labor. What I shall choose so he, he says I, he gets to choose. I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two. He says it's a tough decision. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Hey, let me tell you, being with Jesus is far better than any life here on earth of luxury. He says far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. It's like as if Paul, while he's writing, he's contemplating the decision. And then as he continues to write, he makes the decision that he's going to stay in the flesh and continue to minister to the saints that he knows that he's either led to the Lord or been discipling or whatever. Verse 26, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So he's saying, uh, when I come to you again, because I am going to stay and not go to heaven, but stay here on earth, when I come to you again, he said, uh, you'll have more rejoicing. It'll be more abundant for you. Verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Boy, that's a powerful statement. Only let your conduct, your behavior, your words be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul is very well aware that there are people who, in between his visits, can stray, can walk in the flesh, cannot hold the line of walking in love and graciousness, kindness, unity, and such. Verse 28, And not in any way terrified by your adversaries. So notice again, he says, Be of one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Do not be afraid of those who will persecute you. Do not be afraid of those who threaten you to attack you and such which is to them proof of perdition, which is to them proof. When you don't react, when you don't walk in fear, to them that's proof that you don't even know what's going on. You don't even know what's good for you and bad for you. So to them it's proof of perdition. But to you of salvation, that's not evidence of perdition or uh, some kind of a grave outcome. No, to you The fact that this doesn't get to you and that you're still walking in faith in the Lord is evidence to you of your salvation and that from God. For to you, it had been granted. It has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. For to you, listen to this, for to you, it has been granted. This is, he's, Speaking as if it's something good. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. In other words, to be able to do your ministry in the world, to be able to convey the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to suffer and endure persecution. In fact, Paul said in another place, he said, And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So he's saying it's been granted to you to do this. Verse 30, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. He's saying uh, what you'll experience is the same thing that you know that I have experienced and such. He said that just goes with the territory of living for Jesus. People are not going to understand it, sometimes even family. Not going to understand why we would serve the Lord, why we would um, obey him, why we would prioritize his ways above our own ways or even family's ways. Not that we don't try our best to love and honor family, but sometimes it just comes down to honoring the Lord versus honoring other people. And Paul said, we're all in the same boat. We've chosen to honor the Lord. Well, that's Philippians chapter one.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.